Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. Something special for the adults during Vacation Bible School. Now, we know many of you are actually working in Vacation Bible School and can't participate in this, but many of you can. Brother Bill Jenkins will be teaching a class on uh, living the Spirit-filled life, and each night... uh, You will meet. It's a syllabus-driven class. You'll be given material, and you'll go through uh, much of the teachings in the Bible on living the Spirit-filled life. And so if you can be here tonight, I know you'll be blessed. And again, I'm almost sure you might need to check on this. It starts at at 6 o'clock. Well, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but today is Pentecost Sunday. And uh, Pentecost is a term meaning 50th, which was applied to the 50th day after the Passover. It was a Jewish feast day. And the Bible tells us that it was on this very day that the Holy Spirit was poured out on those first disciples. Here it is. I'll read it to you. It's Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Acts 2, 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared unto them divided tongues as of fire. And one sat upon each of them, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Pentecost then is recognized, this day, this Pentecost Sunday, is recognized as the anniversary of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself made this day extremely significant by what he said to his disciples in Acts 1, 4 through 5. And being assembled together with them, he, this is Jesus now, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. Now, Jesus was telling them to wait for the baptism and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. He said, go back into Jerusalem and stay there and tarry, wait, until you are endued with power from on high. Wait for the baptism and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. They did. They waited. And that day came. And it was this day in history. On the day of Pentecost, it happened. There was a rushing mighty wind. 
fire fell from heaven. We have a little bit of description. I'm sure it doesn't do it justice. But an amazing event took place. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke with tongues. Now, today I want to talk to you about waiting for the promise of the Father. Desiring to be filled with the Holy Spirit and experiencing the power of God that comes to all of us when we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And I, I'll just go ahead at this time and tell you what the invitation today will be. I will invite you. I will encourage you. I will ask you to make a commitment, everybody in this house, to purpose in your heart to wait for the promise of the Father. To wait for God to do a special work in your life. To wait for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's some amazing things about being filled with the Holy Spirit that are so interesting to me. First of all, this is not the only time these disciples were filled with the Spirit. There were other times. After His resurrection, Jesus appeared. In other words, he, He's crucified three days later. He gets up and walks out of that tomb. And with, within a very short time of Him walking out of that tomb, He appears to the eleven disciples... And he does something that seems a little strange. The Bible says he breathed on them. He, he blew his breath on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. He, here it is. It's John 20, verse 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. In other words, immediately after the resurrection, he imparted to them the Holy Spirit. Now, about 45 to 50 days later, it, it's, it, that's close, Jesus had told them to wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and they did, and I just read it to you, on the day of Pentecost, they received the Holy Spirit again. They were filled with the Holy Spirit again. Now you'd think that'd be enough, wouldn't you? Jesus breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. They waited for ten days, and they were baptized by the Holy Spirit. But the Bible tells us just a few more chapters over in the book of Acts, in Acts 4.31, that they were filled with the Spirit again. Listen to this. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the Word of God with boldness. Wow. Three times now, we've identified that they received and were filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, that's not the last time in the book of Acts. In Acts 13, 51 and 52, when the disciples had gone out on their missionary journeys, and they were treated harshly and sometimes driven out of town and beaten up, this is what it says. It says, but they shook off the dust of their feet against them and came to Iconium. In other words, they'd been run out of town. And verse 52 says, And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. That's the fourth time. Four times. First of all, Jesus breathes on them. 
and says receive the Holy Spirit. Secondly, there was the day of Pentecost when there was that grand and glorious and, and, and probably more dramatic experience than any other experience. On the day of Pentecost, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then not long after that, they were all praying together and the, and the house where they were staying started shaking and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then later on the missionary journeys, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I, I've shared with you four times, I'm confident there were many more times than that. These are just the ones recorded in the Word of God. Now, here's a good question for you. And people ask me this question all the time when we talk about the unfilling of the Holy Spirit. And that is, so what will happen to you if you're filled with the Holy Spirit? How will you respond to the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Will you speak in tongues? I've actually had people say, Pastor, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, but I don't know about speaking in tongues. So will you speak in tongues? Maybe. I do. You might. It's certainly possible. It's here in the Scriptures. You just might. But you might receive some other gift. There, there are many gifts in the Bible, and I believe that the enemy has kind of clouded our eyes to understand that when the Holy Spirit fills you, He can do anything He wants to and manifest any gift He wants to through you. And by the way, if you're going to be selective and tell the Holy Spirit what He can and can't do, trust me, He will not fill you. <laughs> you are not a candidate for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I, as I've studied these Scriptures, this is what I've come up with. And that is that when a person is filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized, immersed in the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit gives you whatever gift He wants you to have, and He meets whatever need you have at that moment. Let me tell you, in that first experience when Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit, we, have, we don't know how they responded. And I think the reason we don't know how they responded at that time is because they didn't need anything. Jesus was in the room with them. The resurrected Lord and Savior was in the room with them. He breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And they did. And we don't know how they responded. I, don't, I, I think they were just mesmerized in the presence of the risen Savior. But then you get over into the book of Acts in the second chapter and they're waiting before the Lord. They're waiting for the promise of the Father and the Holy Spirit falls on them in that way that was probably a one-of-a-kind experience. And the Bible says they all spoke in tongues. Now why would they speak in tongues? I... I one reason, I'm not, I'm not saying this is everything, but one reason is because they needed to speak in tongues. Because there were people there in Jerusalem from 16 different countries that didn't speak the language of the Hebrews. And God gave them a miracle of tongues so that they could communicate the gospel and every person could hear in their own language. That's what they needed to carry out the ministry 
that God had appointed them to. And then by the time you get to the fourth chapter of the book of Acts, and they're all praying, you have to read it in context, the Jewish spiritual leaders of that day were beating them and putting them in prison and harassing them. And, and, and there was all kinds of pressure coming on them from the Jewish people around them. And they prayed and the place was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And this time it says they spoke the Word of God with boldness. That's what they needed. They needed boldness to stand up against the spiritual uh, hypocrites of their day. And then again, we're moving right back through this whole series. Uh, by the time you get to the 13th chapter of the book of Acts, and they're being run out of town, they're carrying this good and glorious and redeeming gospel to a lost and dark world, and people aren't receiving it, and they're running them out of town so that they won't get discouraged. The Bible says God filled them with the Holy Spirit, and they were filled with joy. So, you, you, you have... You have all of this. I'm just saying to you today that we need to wait for the promise of the Father. We need to look for, long for, anticipate the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And we need to expect the Holy Spirit to give us what He wants us to have and to give us what we need at that moment because that's how the Holy Spirit works. Now, there's another book. I'm not going to read any of these scriptures to you, but you can. it's such a short book, you can do your own study. Did you know that when Paul wrote to the Ephesian church, in the first chapter of Ephesians, he says to them that you were saved and you were sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. He basically says to them, at the moment you were saved, you were sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. Child of God, i got some good news for you. The moment you were saved, you were sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. Now why were you sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise? Because <laughs> you're not dependable enough to hold on to this thing by yourself. You needed help. And He is the help. He's the helper. You were sealed at the moment you were saved. But hold on. This may mess somebody's theology up. By the time you get to the third chapter of the book of Ephesians, Paul is praying for them to be strengthened by the Holy Spirit. He says you were sealed by the Holy Spirit. Now you need to be strengthened by the Holy Spirit. By the time you get to the fifth chapter of the book of Ephesians, he's saying to them, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be not drunk with wine or in his excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. My goodness, is this confusing or not? You were sealed by the Holy Spirit when you were saved. You still need to be strengthened by the Holy Spirit. And now you need to be filled by the Holy Spirit. Which one is right? Say it louder. They're all right. Don't let man-made theology mess you up. Isn't it time we just read the Scriptures and let the plain sense of the Scriptures make sense? Let me tell you the moment you got saved. You were sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. But I stand before you today basing it on God's Word. You still need to be strengthened by the Holy Spirit. And I can tell you, you still need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to have those times in life when the Spirit of God fills you. Overwhelms you. You need to keep on waiting for the promise of the Father. He's promised it to us. 
And, and, and we need to wait. And, and do you know why we need to wait? Keep on waiting? And never quit waiting? It's because we're, we're not equipped to live the Christian life apart from the indwelling person of the Holy Spirit. I want to I ask you a question and answer it. Do you know who was in the upper room before that day of Pentecost when the Spirit was poured out? Do you know who was in that upper room? Well, for one thing, we know how many were in the upper room. The Bible tells us there was 120 in the upper room. And, and we, don't know, we don't know who they were, not all of them, but we know who some of them were. The Bible names them. The 11 disciples were in that upper room. Jesus sent them back into Jerusalem to wait and to tarry for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. The mother of Jesus was in that upper room waiting on the day of Pentecost. And then there were some other women there because it says, and the women. We don't know exactly who they were. We could guess. And then it says, and the brothers of Jesus were in the upper room. So, the eleven disciples, you remember Judas is gone now. The eleven disciples are waiting, and they had added one disciple, one new disciple. And the mother of Jesus and some other women, they were all there in the upper room. They were waiting. Waiting for what? Waiting for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Now stay with me just for a moment. Because this amazes me. Let's talk about the mother of Jesus for just a moment. The mother of Jesus had a lengthy conversation with the angel of Gabriel. Gabriel, one of the highest ranking angels in all of heaven, came down to earth and she carried on a conversation with him. How many of you would like to carry on a conversation with an angel? Yes, some of you may have. And, and, you know, the Bible says that sometimes we need to entertain strangers because it's angels and we don't even know it. So anyway, she had had a conversation with the angel Gabriel. And the angel Gabriel told her some incredible stuff. You know what the angel Gabriel said to her? said, you are chosen of God. God has selected you above and beyond all other women. And you have been chosen. You will be the mother of the Messiah. And the Holy Spirit will come over you. And you will conceive without ever knowing a man. And it all happened just like the angel told her. You remember the story? It all happened. And Mary experienced the miraculous virgin birth firsthand. Nobody had to preach it to her. She lived it. She knew she had never known a man. And yet she was giving birth to a child. And then after that, it just kept on accelerating. You you see, there was testimony after testimony after testimony that He was the Messiah. The night He was born, the shepherds came in from the field and told her, the angels have told us that you have given birth to the Messiah. That's, that's a great witness, isn't it? And, and then, maybe a year or so after that, really check it out, 
We sometimes mess it up in the Christmas story. But a year or so after that, the wise men showed up with gifts saying, we've been told that you've given birth to the Messiah. And then after that, she takes Jesus, the baby, to the temple. And and Simeon and Anna, a prophet and a prophetess, both prophesied over Jesus and said, He is indeed the Messiah. And it just at 12 years old, he was debating with the intellectuals of that day. And they couldn't hang with him. And his mother saw all of this. Nobody else had ever seen all the things that Mary saw. And yet Mary, after going through all that, needed to go and wait for the Holy Spirit? Was she not already equipped? Come on, I mean, it's all here. All we have to do is think about it. Think about the disciples. Jesus chose them to be His followers. He taught them for three intensive years. He taught them the kingdom of God. They were with Him when He turned water into wine. They watched Him walk on the water. They were with Him when He said, Peace be still, and the raging storm became a perfect calm. They were with Him when He raised the dead and opened blind eyes and performed all kinds of miracles. Three of them walked up on a mountain with Him and watched Him being transfigured and glorified before their eyes. They saw Him crucified. Three days later, they saw the empty tomb. And then being in a sealed, closed, locked room, Jesus walked right through the door. I mean, right through the walls and appeared in their midst. And then they walked with Him and they talked with Him, the living One who had conquered death for some 40 days. And then finally they walked with Him out of town and watched Him ascend into heaven. They saw Him in bodily form go back into glory. And then they heard two angels say, this same Jesus shall return in like manner. How could they not be prepared for ministry after all of that? How could they not be prepared for ministry? How could it be possible that after going through all of that, they needed something more? They needed to wait for the empowering and filling baptism of the Holy Spirit. They were not ready at that point. Well, what if, what if I told you, church, what if I told you that we're starting two discipleship classes? Two. Two discipleship classes. I'll be teaching one class, and this is something that's never happened, but the Lord revealed us that He will do this. But Jesus is going to physically manifest Himself and teach the other class. The sign-up sheets are in the lobby. Which one are you going to sign up for? (laughs) If you sign up for my class, you need your head examined. In fact, I wouldn't be having a class. I'd sign up for his class. Are you with me? But hold on. Unless I'm missing something, if Jesus taught that discipleship class for three years, when it was over, you'd still need to wait 
for the empowering and anointing and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You see, friends, one of the reasons that so many Christians struggle, one of the reasons sometimes we all struggle, and so many come into the faith, and I've seen it hundreds of times. I've seen people pray with tears in their eyes and trust Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and they try ever so hard, but they just can't make it. You know why? Because we're not equipped to make it on our own. We're not even supposed to make it on our own. We're not. Amy Grant used to sing a song, and, and I don't remember anything about the song except one, one line. And, and this is what it says. It says, being good is just a fable. I just can't because I'm not able. Now, I don't know why, but every time I ever heard that song, it was like, that's it. Friends, being good is just a fable. You can't do it because you're not able. You can't live the Christian life like the Bible teaches. You can't defeat and drive back the dark powers of the enemy. You can't speak the Word of God with boldness. You can't have the deep abiding joy in this dark, sin-cursed world. You can't step out into the miraculous and experience what God has for you until you have waited for the promise of the Father and received the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We need it. We have to have it. We fail without it. We do. Trying to live the Christian life without being filled with the Holy Spirit is like having a modern-day home without electricity or any power source. You may have a refrigerator, but it won't get cold. You may have a stove, but it won't get hot. You may have lights, but they won't light up the house. You may have central heating and air, but it'll just sit there and it'll do nothing. You see, you have everything you need except the power source that makes it work. And I also heard this. Trying to live the Christian life without the infilling of the Holy Spirit is like having a brand new car with no gasoline. You can sit in it, you can admire it, but you're not going to go anywhere. And it will not fulfill that for which it was created. You have to have the Holy Spirit. Now, I, I, I used this illustration years ago and I felt like the Lord brought it back to my mind. But this, this is almost... You're going to have trouble believing what I'm about to share with you. So just do your own research because this is easy to trace down all these facts. But have you ever heard the name Hetty Green? Hetty Green. Hetty Green was born in 1834 and she died in 1916. Hetty Green was known in her day as the richest woman in America. She was also nicknamed the Witch of Wall Street. That's pretty rough, isn't it? When she died, 
She had an estimated net worth believed to be upward to $400 million. Now that would be around $4.5 billion today. By the time she died, it is believed that she was not just the richest woman in America, but that she was the richest woman in the world. Here's the thing, she never enjoyed her wealth. She lived in a little small apartment, and she would move from time to time. She refused to buy a house. It cost too much. If I had a billion dollars, I would buy a house. (laughs) Or ten. She would never turn the heat on or use hot water because it cost too much money. She wore one old black dress all the time, and when it got ragged and tattered, she refused to go buy her another one. She said that was good enough. It covered her up. And thus she got from the black dress. That's how she got uh, the nickname, the Witch of Wall Street. She packed her lunch and carried it to work with her every day. Her lunch was graham crackers and dried oatmeal. She was so stingy that she wouldn't even buy new clothes for her daughter Sylvia and made her wear hand-me-downs. When her son Ned broke his leg as a child, Hetty tried to have him admitted to a free clinic for the poor, but they recognized her and demanded payment. But she refused to pay it. She said she'd take him home and take care of him herself. The leg got worse, got infected, and had to be amputated. And when they finally took him and amputated the leg, she refused to pay the bill. And another family member had to pay the bill. She suffered from a hernia for some 20 years before she went to the doctor. But it got so painful that she finally went in to have an exam, and he told her that he could do surgery and fix it, and she would be pain-free, and it would cost her $150. Times have changed, haven't they? When he said $150, she was outraged, got dressed, and left his office, and never had the surgery, and lived the rest of her life in pain. I ask you this morning, Is that not some form of insanity? To be the richest woman in the world and live like a pauper. But that may not be any worse than our insanity. Oh, friends. For us to choose to live without the empowering and anointing of the Holy Spirit to not pursue it with all of our hearts when it has been promised to us, when it is available to us, when all we have to do is stop and wait for it, and believe it or not, when all we have to do is ask for it. I'm not making that up. Listen, Listen to this. Luke 11, 13 says, If you then being evil... Know how to give good gifts to your children. 
Read this with me. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? You see, God is waiting for us to wait for Him. God is waiting for us to understand that if the disciples didn't have enough without the Holy Spirit, we don't either. And if the mother of Jesus was not equipped to live it out for the rest of her life without the infilling of the Holy Spirit, we are not either. We need the person of the Holy Spirit to fill us and to lead us and to guide us and empower us. Now, perhaps there's somebody here today and you say, Pastor, that's a great message, but I, didn't, I don't need it. I've been saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit. And if you say that to me, I'm going to say, praise God. You may even say, I've been saved, baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of gifts of the Spirit. I'm going to say, praise God. But I want to ask you a question. Have you had a more, dra- more dramatic or more glorious experience than they had on the day of Pentecost? And they still needed to be filled with the Spirit after that. I present to you today that we need to wait for the promise of the Father. And we need to understand that only when we are moving and walking and talking under the anointing of the Holy Spirit will God be glorified like He wants to be glorified in our lives. Would you bow with me in prayer? Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.